you ever been to a volcano? When it was erupting? You're now listening to Super Bowl. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game. It's pretty. It's so pretty. We just won the fucking wall. That's what you said, man. I'm supposed to be a franchise player, and we're in here talking about Super Hoopers. That's terrible. Welcome to Super Hoopers, a not-so-serious discussion of the NBA. I am your host, Matt Hill, and with me, as always, is my brother in basketball, John Hill. John, say hello. Hey, man, just got back from Vegas, partying with the Cavs. <laughs> Woo! Haven't stopped yet. Well, 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 thanks for coming in. Um, for coming. We are also uh, super excited to have Aaron Torres, a senior writer at Fox Sports, the author of One in Fun, a look at the 2010 Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, also a college basketball expert, right? Yeah, whatever the term expert <laughs> means. I uh, cover it a lot for Fox Sports. I've uh, been covering it for a few years now. As, as you said, I wrote a book about Kentucky basketball. So uh, hopefully I have some interesting things. To, I think I have interesting well, things to say about the you're draft. You're an expert but, relative to us yeah. who don't watch yeah. college at all. John, you don't watch college, right? <laughs> I watch... A, I watch to see who the Sixers are going to pick. Right, right. It. So, once yeah, the, so, yeah, so, so no. you've had a so lot. Answer's no. You've had a lot to watch the last few years. I have. I've yeah. been uh, me and Draft Express number one, uh, number one hot link on my my page. Uh, so I mean, briefly, we should just briefly talk about Game Seven last. Well, actually, night. before that, I wanted to let you guys know I was in I was actually in San Francisco this weekend. Hmm. Uh, I didn't watch the game there, but I was just up there with a little trip with my fiance, and I uh, actually got got Matt Hill a gift. Oh, a, nice! It is a uh, Golden State nice. Finals this is hat. This some great podcasting. Yep, that way. Yeah, it's a Finals I, hat. Yep, because I wanted you to uh, forever remember the time that your uh, Golden State Warriors choked in Game 7 at home against LeBron yeah. James. Well, yeah, obviously I've been so on the... So wear that hat with pride, Matt. I've been on the Warriors bandwagon all year. Uh, but I jumped off it before Game Seven. Oh, I said, so I saw, fine. I saw, I saw the way, I saw the way when the tide was turning, and I said, I'm gonna root for the Cavs in in games. Actually, I didn't. I rooted for the Warriors the whole way through. Well, actually, until the last, you know, thirty seconds. And I was like, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with the Cavs winning. It's a better story. And then you're a Lakers fan again. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the off season, I guess. No, no. I, I don't know. In the off season, I'll, I'll maybe maybe I'll be a Boston fan for the off season because they have the most interesting. Uh, what, what are they going to do? Oh, you know, man. Uh, but Cab- it was a great game, right? I mean, did you, Aaron, did you watch the game? Of course, I wouldn't have missed it for the world, man. Yeah, it was. It was uh, I've been on a LeBron bandwagon forever, and I just think it just gets such unfair he through the years he's gotten such unfair criticism frankly i thought most of the series he got unfair criticism my favorite criticism of lebron was after game five when him and Kyrie both went for 41 and half of the media is sitting there saying yeah that was great but why doesn't he do that every game like as if (laughs) scoring 41 points against one of the best defensive teams in the nba in the NBA Finals is this super simple thing to do. I mean, I thought uh, this series was awesome. My favorite thing, you guys probably didn't even see it because it just came out right before we recorded, but LeBron actually went on Instagram and just did the most fantastic post ever where he basically just called out every hater for everything. Really? That, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can even pull it up and read it verbatim, but he basically said, you told me I got my coach fired. You told me <laughs> I couldn't win with Kyrie and Kevin Love. You told me this and that. And, you know, I'm, for lack of a better term, I'm still standing. And so, Wait, does he name names? Is he like Skip Bayless? Like No, no, but he, he mentioned, well, the the big story that came out today amongst many was that I guess somebody in the, the insinuation was that it was Pat Riley uh, basically told him when he left Miami that this was, quote unquote, the worst decision he could have possibly made, this and that. So, I mean, he basically covered all ground. I thought it was awesome, mainly because it was basically him saying, all you haters out there, you literally don't have a leg to stand on anymore. There's nothing left for you to say to me, and I think that's kind of where we're at with LeBron. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you cannot, there's no way you can criticize him after this. His legacy is completely secure. Uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was I think, Dave McMenamin uh, reported that, that LeBron's secret motivation that he alluded mm-hmm. to last year was uh, Pat Riley basically telling him that he was making a giant mistake. That's so amazing. I was amazing. That's I actually I was, I was, was legitimately curious about that all, the all season. Like, what was LeBron's secret? What was it going to be? So uh, I'm happy that mystery uh, has been solved. That's um, amazing. Anything else? Anything else stand out uh, from the game? I think um, I think Andy Verjao definitely deserves a ring for what he contributed to. <laughs> yeah, for to the, the Cavs. Cavs win. Yeah, yeah. He definitely deserves that Cavs God, championship that guy, ring. All he does is flop. 
Well, no, like, not bad. He just he's just bad. Like he's, he's just like bad, I, I, and then that's his like only thing is like if you bump into me, I'll just like flail. Like it's not even close to being like he knows he can't play. Right, and right. He's like right. if I can get one foul, then well, I, I mean, did my I guess job. that's what you can say. At least he knows. At least he at knows. Least he knows, <laughs> at least he knows his place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. I, I just can't believe Kerr playing him. I mean, I guess obviously Kerr knows knows better than I do, but I just can't believe Kerr would play him uh, as much as he did in, in the finals. But a weird series where like. One of the turning points, unquestionably, and if you had told me this before the series, I would have laughed, but Andrew Bogut going out with that injury, I think completely changed that series. And we talk about, oh, Draymond got suspended for this game, and that happened, and this happened, and that happened. It seemed like a completely different series once once Bogut went down, and that is not something I would have projected or expected at the start of the series. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to say. I thought I thought Bogut going down was going to be a good thing for him. But, I did too. But, uh... But it, I mean, man, it was. I mean, it was a series that I. I mean, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I had no handle on this series. I, yeah. I said Warriors in three at the beginning of it. <laughs> so. I, after two games, I tweeted out, "I think this thing's over." I was like, it feels well, like I thought the it was going to be a sweep." Over. I thought it was going to be a sweep. Yeah, the way the first two games. Yeah, went. yeah, and then was, then it was like I even thought they were going to win in five, and it's just. Yeah. yeah, so I never had a good handle. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Bogut, I think they could have definitely used Bogut in, in Game 7. I mean, Azili and Verjao gave them nothing. They're both giant negatives. Um, yeah, but it was it was a fantastic game. Really lived up to the hype. Yeah, and I think Kyrie played great. I know, I, I know, and, I know. And, and I know, you know, you know no one is a bigger Kyrie hater than me. Yeah, and his kid was How killing can you me. Be a Kyrie hater. I don't like the Who way he plays. Like Dude, I don't like the way he plays. He plays Aaron, no defense. He was playing defense though. For the first time in his life, he was playing actual defense. That's that's what kills me about him. Uh, is he should be so much better. And he, he's a ball. He's like, I mean, he's Kobe. He's Kobe like 2.0. He even said that afterwards. Mamba mentality. That's all I was thinking. Yeah, and uh, Kobe has five rings. <laughs> like, yeah, a good basketball player. Uh, anyways, <laughs> like, yeah, Kobe drove me crazy. All, all. Anyways, yeah, Kyrie, I thought, I Kyrie proved great. all the all the haters uh, wrong. Uh, you know, he had that three, which basically sealed it. So yeah, so he, good for Kyrie. Good and for I thought Duke. Uh, Kevin Love played played. Kevin Love played, played really aggressive. He played really good defense and on, played, on Steph Curry on that on that final play too. Yeah, and if you were to, I mean, what I thought was so great is if you had to- told me that the game would have came down to. A Kyrie ISO and a Kevin Love defensive stop. Yeah, like both on Steph Curry. I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, you, you told you the Warriors are going to win. You would have yeah. told me this Warriors said, "Oh, this really? Warriors That's finals great. hat that I now oh, <laughs> proud possession. I'll add this to all well, the other hats I don't wear." Th- yeah. That's what I was going to say. And, and maybe this was discussed ad nauseum in the coverage. I didn't watch a ton of the post game coverage. Uh, I was I had some stuff commitments uh, Monday morning and Sunday night. I was doing some other stuff, but like I don't think that was a big enough thing. Where after all the criticism he got. Kevin Love was the defensive stopper on that second-to-last possession. Kevin Love, the defensive stopper. He's winning defensive player of the year next year, I think. Yeah, done. I think. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. What do you guys think about the celebration after? Amazing. Yeah, what's what? There, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we watched it. You know, our fiance watched it. We we rewound it and watched it again, and like she started crying. Just like the emotion of how great. It must have felt for LeBron. Like you were saying what you read uh, from his Instagram about how like so many people doubted him and all that stuff. And it just he proved them all wrong. Yeah. There was a great Richard Jefferson, uh, like he had posted something or they interviewed him. And he was talking about how no one in the history has ever put an entire city on his back like that mm-hmm. and said, let's do it my way. Let me pick the team. Let me do all this. Let's play the way I want. Let me pick the coach. Let me do everything. I will bring you a championship, and he he did it. Yeah, like he basically instilled that that whole organization. Like you know, there's all this stuff. When he got back there, he was shocked by how how unprofessional it was compared to Miami. Yeah, and he basically instilled a level of professionalism completely by himself, essentially, and with other veterans he picked. So yeah, it was it was all him. Like he you know he has all that criticism about firing the coach because he's basically running the team. Yeah, um, yeah, and he did it, so. and it worked. It absolutely works. The rich get richer. The best player <laughs> in the league gets better. Yeah. Great. Um, I thought Steph was the best player in the league. He won unanimous MVP. Dude, he was the best. That's the thing. He was <laughs> no, the he best wasn't. player all no, year. No, he wasn't. All year he was the best player. So what do you think, Aaron? You About what? You think uh, Steph Curry wasn't the best player of the year? I think... Would you have not voted for him for MVP? I don't know. I thought the best point I heard on this, there's a guy named Nick Wright who comes in... Uh, he sits on Cowherd's couch once a week, Colin Cowherd, Fox Sports. And he said, the real beef isn't with Steph Curry. 
finishing as the MVP. It's that Kawhi Leonard finished ahead of LeBron for the second spot. Like, you think about that. Kawhi Leonard was a guy that literally couldn't get a shot off when the Spurs needed off. Like, like, Kawhi Leonard is not quite a role player, but he's certainly not a superstar. He's certainly not an MVP caliber player. Um, I mean, honestly, I probably would have had to vote for Steph, but I do think that not getting MVP two years in a row and just... The, the, the love affair that the media has had with Steph, there's no doubt that it played a huge part in LeBron and what he did in this series. Look, I mean, I, I don't think I would have given it to him solely on the fact that he takes games off, he takes weeks off, and he mm-hmm. should. And it's for this because he knows ultimately all he's going to be judged on is do you make the finals, do you win the finals? So I don't blame him. So I guess I would have given Steph Curry the, the regular season MVP. But the idea that he had surpassed LeBron as the face of the NBA – I wasn't ready to believe it. I wasn't ready to see it. I didn't believe it after game three or game four when when Golden State went up three to one. Um, but I think LeBron proved beyond a reasonable doubt he's still the best player. Still in the, the face. Still yeah. face of the game. My dad has still old... can, he still can headline <clears throat> Space Jam two next summer. Yeah. <laughs> My dad has an old saying that he used to say is uh, the lion is the king of the jungle, but only because the elephant lets him. And I oh. felt like that's what it was. It was like Steph Curry was the king of the jungle, but only because. LeBron was like, that's go not for what it. He, yeah, that's, yeah. Go for it. Do it. But when it comes down to it, if we really have to battle, like the elephant's going to win every time. Yep. I do want to say, I straight up cried during J.R. Smith's postgame. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah, did. We talked about I'm that not even, I'm not even going to like, Tristan Thompson made me shed one tear when he talked about his dad, but J.R. and his dad, I lost it. I straight up just, it was just like, I was crying. I was just like, I don't even care. Well, Yesterday was my dad's birthday, and oh, wow. I just lost Happy it. Happy birthday. Yeah, Mr. thank you. I just lost it. I was just like, I, you're the best. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I was watching it live, and it was crazy because they asked him the question, and he kind of put his head down, and you're like, oh, I wonder if he's all right. And then all of a sudden, he put it up, and there was just buckets of water coming down his face. And John, you and I talked about this this morning, is like, JR, uh, I was telling John, JR is like that friend that everybody has. He's a good guy. He means well. He just does dumb stuff. Like, and he's not a bad guy. Like, he's not. He's not a bad person. He's not. An, he's not a, a criminal. He's not a lawbreaker. He just does dumb stuff. He just goes out to the club till four in the morning the night before a playoff game. He just pours champagne on on an unsuspecting female at the club in Vegas. Like, like I'm not saying I condone his behaviors, but in the grand scheme of life, he's just really not a bad. He's just a knucklehead, and I and but. Yeah, he means John. well. He's, yes, there's, there's, that's exactly it. There's, there's, he, like he gets into mischief. Yes, it's not, yeah. it's not, Very it's much not so. malevolent. It's just, yeah. it's just fun. Yeah, and then you could tell, especially when he was talking about, it, he's like, I hate when you guys talk bad about me because my parents hear that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and I didn't and tell they your parents did, to get out they Twitter, did a better, Yeah, they did a better job than than I am showing. You know, yes, and it's don't blame them for my mistakes, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that really, that got me. I was, I broke down. I was done for. Yeah. So you've mentioned the post game, the emotional part. What about going to Vegas on the way back to Cleveland? That was amazing. <laughs> that I was think, my favorite part of the whole thing. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, I feel like they were a little tired when they got to Vegas. Like, it's like one of those things where you're like, let's go to Vegas. And then when you get there, you're just, you're kind of on the way down. Like, I watched those club videos and it seemed like only J.R. Smith was was into it. <laughs> Everyone else was kind of in the background, just kind of like bobbing their head. Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, yeah, more power to them. You might as well. You might as well do it. In their defense, I mean, they must have gone to Vegas. Pr- I, I would have to assume, I think, in like the 1 a.m. Pacific time range. Yeah. Like, because <clears throat> I, I was watching all the post game coverage on ESPN, and I know I work for Fox, and I shouldn't say this, but I thought the post game coverage was phenomenal. And they went live for a long, and they kept bringing out players. Yeah, there was and they, guy after guy, and, and they were all still in uniform, unshowered, champagne, you know, in their hair, and it was like they're just they're just going. And, and God bless them, it, it made for great television. But then when I saw they were going to Vegas, as you said, it was like one of those, yeah, that sounds like fun in theory. And then you get there, and you you know, not well, quite but, the but, four hours. But drive someone, I forget yeah. where I saw this, but someone said LeBron had the vet move, where he was sipping the champagne and then he was spitting it out. Because no. he knew, because he knew he had to save himself for the later festivities. Yeah, where yeah. Kyrie was just chugging it. See? Yeah, yeah. This is in the locker room. You talking about? Yeah, in the locker oh. room. In the locker room. Classic. Yeah. And then Kevin Love just double oh, fists oh, and stone oh, oh, cold. There was another. There was another great J.R. Smith anecdote where apparently he had a lit cigar in the locker room, 
And uh, Golden State Security was like, you can't smoke them here. And so he went around to all the other cigars that were just sitting there, and he lit them all and put them <laughs> all in everyone's mouth. So everyone was smoking cigars. <laughs> I didn't hear that one. I love it. JR. JR. Ah, oh, God. What a great season. What a great season. Okay, can we finally move, Let's to, move got, on to the draft? Let's, let's move, move on, on to the draft. draft. Yeah, kind of, you so know. you're, you're a, like a college basketball, you know, you follow it. Yeah. Went to more. UConn. So Simmons, yes. top pick, do you agree? 100%. So let me give you my Ben yeah, Simmons yeah. spiel. Yeah. I'll be writing a, a, a little bit of a, like almost a column for it on FoxSports.com later this week. I don't want to say that he received an equivalent criticism like what LeBron gets in, at the NBA level, but I've never seen a player more criticized relative to what he did at the college level than Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. He is the only player I think ever – or last 20 years, I think, to average 19, 11, and just under five assists, regardless of class. Not freshman. Not the first freshman to do it. Only player to average 19, 11, and five, right? So first of all, he's putting up unprecedented stats. Um, he's a good kid. I might have told you, John, but yeah. I, I had the chance to interview him last summer. They had this this event called the Nike Skills Academy. They bring out a lot of the top college players, a lot of top high school players. And I'll tell you the story is it was, it was like a four or five day event all day, Playing pickup, you know, guest speakers, all that stuff. A bunch of media was there, and it was the last night of a, like a five day event. And I, I had, I was there, and I hadn't spoken with him, so I asked the PR person, "Hey, can you help me out?" Blah blah blah. She says, "Yeah, I don't know how much the guys are going to want to do tonight. It's been a long week." Blah blah. blah. He comes out after having been interviewed by everyone. We're in this like little media room, whatever, and he goes, you know. He, puts his hand on my shoulder and he pulls me aside and he says, you want to like, you want to go somewhere a little quieter, man? Like, let's, you know, like, like just being a real professional about Mm -hmm. it and just a good kid and a genuine kid. And I just think he got so beat down at LSU because of the media pressure, because of the scrutiny, his coach is a knucklehead, like anyone, like (laughs) seriously, his coach is terrible. And if you watched him, you would see it. The other thing too, which, which I've talked a lot about in other various interviews is through the years, one thing that guys like John Calipari and Coach K don't get enough credit for, they bring in all these guys and they get them to mesh together. I mean, t- you know, mm-hmm. th- two years ago, John Calipari had 10 NBA players on his roster. And for the most part, you never heard about any issues as far as chemistry, as far as playing time, as far as this, as far as that. I know for a fact that a lot of the LSU players were not happy with the attention that Ben Simmons got. And the coach had, he lost control of the locker room. And so I just think that that kid got such unfair criticism. Now, I do think, um, in hindsight, he probably shouldn't have gone to LSU. Now, he went to LSU, for people who are listening who don't know, his godfather is an, was an assistant coach there. He's since left. Um, and basically followed his godfather because he's family, because it's like an older brother to him. So his only mistake was going to the wrong school. We always hear that this is a business decision for these kids. And because of that, I think he should have made the right business decision and gone to Duke or Kentucky or Kansas or whatever. Um, But, you know, I I think other than that, that was the only really big mistake. I think he could have done a few different things throughout this draft process. But I'm just such a believer in that kid. Is he going to be LeBron? No, of course. There's only one LeBron. But I think he's going to be an all-star caliber player. He's the only player in this draft that I think has that kind of upside year in and year out. I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think Philly, uh, if they take him, which they should, is a good fit for him. I love it. I love it. I'm going to listen to That's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> just Aaron Torres. But there Random are about of, Ben Simmons. I but love there are, it. I mean, I, like, I only follow this stuff tangentially, but I hear a lot of whispers about his character. There's no so character issue. There's no character. So where are those coming from? Those coming from his teammates at LSU, say, who are maybe jealous of him? Okay. Or? So here's the deal. So there's no doubt that by the end of the year, yes, he probably did quit on that team. The problem is... Everyone has quit on that coach. Over the, so they've had multiple high lottery picks over the last three or four years, and they never win. So they had a first-round pick last year named Jarrell Martin who went to Memphis, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. They had another guy, Jordan Mickey, who got drafted in the second round, I believe. So you have two NBA guys right there, and they fell apart down the stretch. The year before, they had a kid named Johnny O'Brien, who was a second-round pick, fell apart down the stretch. The coach is like I'm not trying to be funny or facetious like the coach is an idiot like he really he can't like he he doesn't know what he's doing he's lost he's in over his head I there's just I, I just don't see the character issue thing I mean 
I, I just I, I the kid averaged like I said five six assists a game, and he did it with a team that they you know he would have averaged twelve assists a game playing on a real team. So to me, I just don't understand. I mean, every experience that I've had with him, anyone that I know who's met him one on one and spent time with him one on one has had nothing but good things to say. But what I will say is I haven't uh, had a chance to be around him since last summer. I think he might be a little bit jaded from the LSU experience because of that. Maybe he's a little tougher to deal with as far as the media is concerned. And frankly, I couldn't blame him if he was because, I mean, he took a lot of negative criticism. But every time I was around him, I, I really enjoyed him, and I, I actually thought he was a really good kid. Like I said, I've never met an Aussie I didn't like. All right, it's but true. what about yeah. what about he's going to Philly and he's going to have all that pressure on him? It's okay, going to be real similar biggest, to LSU. I think that's the biggest crock ever, and I'll tell you why. I love because this guy. well, it's you're not this guy. Ever. You just you just brought in you brought in like your hype man, John. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not going to like why though. Oh, okay. But, all right. but I, I had this conversation with our colleague, a guy by the name of Dieter Kurtenbach, who covers the NBA for FoxSports.com. So that's what he said. Well, there's so much pressure on him, and I said, is there really pressure on him though? Because here's the thing. If he goes to L- uh, LSU, if he goes to Philly and he's just he totally bombs and he's just not good, you know what they're gonna say? Another Philly failure. Just the next next one, Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens Noel. They never even got Dario Saric. Joel Embiid may never play. And like I hate to be a jerk about it, yeah, but but no. like it's the truth. Everyone's like, oh, he has so much. No, Brandon Ingram has pressure playing for the Lakers. First of all, I better watch a Snapchat account with D'Angelo Russell around. But <laughs> like I don't think they're because who's like no one's like we'll we'll tune into Philly on opening night just to see what he's all about. But if they start one and nine, it's just we're gonna say same old Philly and nobody's gonna pay yeah. attention. So I don't think that this this gargantuan pre- I don't know why I said gargantuan but like this this heavy pressure is on him like that the other thing John you know is that that I'm not trying to crap on your team here but they're the third or fourth most important team in that city yeah. and so if if the Eagles are playing well or if Carson Wentz is doing well and that that'll buy him an extra 6 weeks that'll buy him an yeah. extra you know 2 months and maybe he figures it out by then maybe he never does but I but my whole thing is look if we had been sitting here at this time last year, I would have been like, Jaleel Okafor is pretty close to can't miss. He's going to be really good. And he was the furthest thing from it in Philly. And I think it's much more of a Philly thing, a lot like LSU with the culture around the organization than it is an individual player thing. I've, I've said all along that as much as I enjoy Carl Anthony Towns, I think he would have been good for Philly. I don't think he would have been as good as he was in Minnesota because he was surrounded by vets. He was surrounded yeah. by good, good other players. <laughs> it was a good infrastructure with the organization. So um, I, I just think it's a, it's a Philly problem. It's a Philly epidemic. Hopefully with Colangelo coming in, things get cleaned up a little bit and just really, you you know, just just the the normal things that are supposed to happen, bring in veterans, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't believe that there is pressure. I, that's one thing I just completely disagree with. I don't think there's pressure on him. I think if he doesn't do well, we'll all just say same old 76ers. Yeah, he's only got to win 11 games. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? like, that's all. Like, And then I think, like, to your point, like, I think actually it helps that Embiid, Saric, and, you know, will be two other major rookie pieces. So yep. there's kind of a lot of blame to go around, you know. And yep. look, if Embiid God I think you know comes back and he plays great, then he'll be the second fiddle and he won't have the pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah, or if yeah. Okafor steps up like I, I I don't think the weight of the world's on his shoulders. Maybe, though. maybe. I think maybe the Philly fans will blame Colangelo first. Maybe he'll be the first head on the chopping block if things go south. Brett Brown um, yeah. will be, right? Or, or, it'll or probably Brown, be. Brown. I feel Brown. bad for Brett Brown because I don't think he's done anything wrong in this no, process. He he's been a good soldier and done what was asked of him, um, but he's lost a lot of games. And eventually, eventually, at a certain point, like any business, like Colangelo's going to want to bring in his own coach and uh, – We'll see if Brett Brown can survive. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, be fine. He'll go back to San Antonio. Yeah, it's kind of like Pop will take him back. It's like when you date like a crazy girl. No matter what, the next girl's like not too Are bad. Are you saying you're Hinkie's not too crazy? Bad. You're, you're Hinkie's number one. I'm fan, saying John. a ten win team is a pretty crazy is a bad situation. As long as we're better than that, I think I think it'll be all right. Fine. Let's, so let's, so let's move on. Number two, Ingram. You agree with this? Ingram will be the pick. Yeah, I. Um, Do you think he's the second best prospect? Probably, yeah. I'm not as high on Brandon Ingram as others. So, like, my whole thing with Brandon Ingram... By the way, I interviewed him last week for a piece I, uh, I was Did you ask on. him about the tattoos? See, this is... I was wondering <laughs> how he was able to get so many tattoos at such a young age. age. I, I don't have a good answer on that. Who's well, good? Dude, this has been your first question. <laughs> what kind of reporting is this? Yeah, you should be like, don't you, don't you think you'll add... You have a whole life to add tattoos. Don't don't use yeah, up all your yeah, space. Don't use up all the space right and now. And there's not much space on Brandon Ingram. Much, He's a skinny guy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Sorry, you interviewed no, him. No, you interviewed him. What, what are your Not about his tattoos, just about general basketball stuff. But he was a good dude. But no, I, I just... So, first of all, one thing that I always found funny during the college season, we always heard... So, And I was one person who kind of said this, is that... I think Ben Simmons is the closest thing to LeBron since LeBron. And people would say, you can't compare him to LeBron. What are you talking about? You're the idiot. Well, you're mm-hmm. an idiot. But then the same people were comparing Brandon Ingram to Kevin Durant. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Is that like... It's true. It's absolutely true. That's what they do. And so the thing with Ingram, good college player. Um, first of all, Kevin Durant averaged like almost 26 points a game at, at Texas. So let's... Pump, let's pump the brakes in the comparison. Ingram, I think, averaged 16 and a half, 17 a game. Good freshman season. My thing with Ingram is, it's going to sound crazy. I don't think he's like a very fluid athlete. Like, I, I watch mm. him play and he tests off the charts and that he has a very high vertical leap. He has, you know, he's got really long arms, a good length. But if you watch him, and I've seen him in workouts, like he just, there's just a way that he moves. And maybe he's one of those guys that's like looks quicker than he is, like Kyle Anderson and San Antonio or somebody. But I just don't think that the offensive game is going to come as easily to him in the NBA level as everybody thinks it will be. Uh, but to, to answer your question, Matt, I, I do still think that he is the second best uh, prospect in this draft. And I think the Lakers will pick him, and I think he'll be the right pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think his upside is like an – like I compared him to – I was at UConn when uh, Rudy Gay was there. And I, I think he's much more Rudy Gay than Kevin Durant. Like, I get Kevin Durant because he's super skinny, long arms, all that. But in terms of, like, what I think he'll be as a pro, I think he's more Rudy Gay, 16 and a half a game, fringe all-star. I don't see him evolving into a 22-point-a-game score and being an all-star every year. Rudy Gay. That is not making me happy as a <laughs> as a, as a fair-weather Laker fan. <laughs> but he's uh, an all-star caliber player, though. So Rudy Gay is yeah. awful. I, think, <laughs> I do not want Rudy Gay anywhere near my team. I think his game... I think you're talking about... The, the problem with yeah. comparing it to Rudy Gay is you're, you're taking all the intangibles of Rudy Gay. Yeah. No, the contract Rudy and all Gay that, but is as a, a player... A high-usage yeah. guy who doesn't shoot a good field goal percentage. I mean, that's not, he's, he's, he's like DeMar DeRozan light. Like he's not a guy you're going to win with in my opinion. But I think for me, it's also like if you had a second shot at trying to nurture a Rudy Gay into a great player, you would take that shot. Yeah, and yeah, Brandon yeah. Ingram is willing. I mean, he's a good yeah. teammate and he, he was good. Pa- I mean, but he just didn't, the way that people talk about him and look, I think it's, it's certain people in the media pushing their narrative of like, I think. The people who cover the draft full time, I think it's good for them to like. I was saying this all year. People were like, "Well, I think Brent Ingram." I go, "I will bet my freaking mortgage that I don't have that Ben Simmons <laughs> ends up as the number one." Like, and it could have been different scenarios. You know, certain teams don't need Ben Simmons as much as others, but it's like Ben Simmons is so much better than everybody else in this draft. But I think, like I said, I think there are certain media outlets that it's good for their narrative if if there's you know, competition at the first pick and Brandon Ingram's having a nice college season. They beat North Carolina. They're on TV all the time. Meanwhile, LSU's losing to Arkansas and Mississippi State and a bunch of schools that are, you know, just, just not the same level of competition. So um, I think he's good. I, I just, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I would be stunned if the 76ers didn't take, take Simmons and I'd be disappointed. I just think he's so much better than Brandon Ingram or anybody else in the draft. Wow. So let, let me share with you one of my theories about the draft. Uh, I think the name is very important. I think if you look through NBA history, the guy who has the best name or the better names often turn out to be great players. I mean, you look, LeBron James, fantastic name. Kobe Bryant, same thing. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, the best ever. See, Magic knew. He He was like... And if you look at these previous drafts, like look at last year, one of the best players out of that draft, Chris Stapps Porzingis, fantastic name. Draft before, Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, both great names. Jabari Parker's a great name. Great name. But you go to the draft before (laughs) that, Andrew Bennett, horrible name, giant bust. Who are the best players in that draft? Giannis Antetokounmpo and Rudy Gobert, okay? So I'm looking at this draft, and the guys I like, the guys who I think might end up being better than Ben Simmons, which is not a great name, or Brandon Ingram, also not a great name. Wow. I'm looking at Dragon Bender and Denzel Valentine. Two great names. Two just outstanding names. Dragon Those guys Bender jump off the board for me. And Denzel Valentine. Denzel Valentine is a man idol. I uh, <laughs> I think Denzel Valentine, depending on where he goes, could be. He's one of those weird guys where if he goes to the right team, he's going to be really, really good. And if he goes to the wrong team, like literally won't get off the bench. He's kind of interesting because he's he's really limited the number of teams that he's worked out with. So like 
the 76ers who have two picks in the 20s, like he won't work out for him. So I don't mm-hmm. think he'll go. He's only worked out for about four or five teams, uh, Detroit, Utah, and a few others. Um, but I think, he, dude, I saw him in person before he got hurt this year. He played out a tournament here in California. And he just tore the other team to shred. I mean, he had a triple double. Actually, Draymond was in the crowd that game because it was you know Michigan State affiliation. I think they had the day off or something. And Draymond came down, and Denzel showed out. I think he could be a really good player. He's a great passer, probably the second best passer in this draft, uh, behind uh, behind Simmons. Uh, and I just think he could be really good. Now, Dragon Bender, on the other hand, have you got like, so I haven't seen Dragon Bender in person. So obviously I'm just speculating like most other people are. Have you, have you taken the time to watch the YouTube clips? Uh, no, of course not. Okay, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. So let me give you my, my Dragon Bender spiel. I would know this is my spiel on him because yeah. everyone's like, well, he's really young and he's really skinny, but go ahead. When you get home tonight, a little homework for the crowd, for the, for the audience. <laughs> I love it. Go watch his YouTube clips because it's so funny because all of his – like, you know, the like the Draft Express. You said Draft mm-hmm. Express, they do a great job. All of his strengths on those videos aren't actual strengths. Like, it's <laughs> like – it's like uh, – it's like, uh, you know, like relentless on the glass. But then they show a video of him like getting boxed out and like tipping the ball to a teammate while he's getting shoved out of the paint. I'm like, that's not a strength. He just got shoved like, a, you know, a little ragdoll. So, I mean, he's like the youngest player in the draft and he's super skinny and super small. But to me, like, I think it's so easy to be like, oh, he's he's another Porzingis because he's European and he's seven feet. It's like, no, he's not. And so from everything I've seen, and it's only through YouTube, and I've never seen him in person. I've seen all these other guys in person. But um, from what I've seen, I, I am just very underwhelmed by Dragon yeah, Bender. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but his name is Dragon Bender. I mean, that is his strength right he there. That is his strength. That's yeah. his strength. It does so, sound like a Bond <clears throat> character. Who of who of the other, other, other prospects, you know, do you think has a chance to be the best player in the draft? Like, if you're going to say, okay... Five years from now, we look back at this draft. We say, "Who? We can't believe that that these the teams missed on this guy." I mean, I don't think like people are going to be surprised. Like nobody's going to miss on Buddy Heal. I think Buddy Heal is going to be really good because I'm a big I, he fan can. Of sc- Buddy Heal. Yeah, he can score. And like my thing with Buddy Heal that gets lost in the shuffle is people think that he had this incredible meteoric rise this year. He really didn't. He averaged 17 games as a junior and was Big 12 Player of the Year. Big 12 is a pretty good conference. And so the idea that he came out of nowhere this year, no, he just came out of nowhere kind of on the national scale and for the the larger basketball audience that doesn't tune into college basketball quite as much. So what my point with Buddy Heald is that it's been a slow incremental thing. Now the knock on him is that he's 22 years old. I understand that. He, he's not a great defender. But if he goes to someplace like New Orleans, they just need somebody that can get buckets and that's one thing that that dude can do if he goes to new orleans he will get injured that training yeah. staff there are not good uh, do you, do you know his uh his real name's not buddy i do who, who, who names their kid buddy no do you know why name? he's named buddy why because as a kid his mom thought he looked like bud bundy <laughs> and started like calling him. him bud i like and him. then nickname that became buddy that's like a that. true story i think the lakers, i think the lakers should story. take him at two now <laughs> based on the name alone just be careful what you say about buddy Hield's mom i did a profile on her this oh, no. year oh really oh, no. yeah she's the best she, is she great she's awesome oh i, I thought you were saying you did a profile on her she came after you <laughs> <laughs> no i love her she's like she's like a, a second mom to me so uh so you just be careful what you say about miss Hield. okay i think it's great be careful what you say about miss Hield. i said <laughs> no, okay, okay. no no i no. i'm whole, a big buddy Hield believer i know a lot of people for some, for like the points you made, don't like him. I think he just plays hard, yeah. and it's like if you're if you work hard enough and you're good at shooting, you will last in the NBA. Yes, exactly. You know, like are you going to be as good as you were, you know, in college? No, you know, nobody is. No one is, but he'll be one of the ten best out of this draft. I think a hundred percent. Yeah, and he'll be in the league for a long time. And yeah. the other guys too. I think Chris Dunn's gonna be really good. Like Chris Dunn, the thing that gets lost about Chris Dunn, he's another one. Like, oh, he's 22. Like, like, so the thing is, and people have said this to me, is like, oh, well, you know, if you play three years of college, bat, like if you play three or four years of college basketball, everyone assumes that you're just not good. Like, oh, you can, any, like, as if anyone can be good if they just, like, if <laughs> as if anyone can average 18 a game if they just stay in college for three years, right? Yeah. So, like, Chris Dunn I know pretty well because I grew up in Connecticut. He grew up in Connecticut. He was, like, a, a high school uh, AAU teammate of Andre Drummond. So I've been following his career for a long time. And he was a McDonald's All-American, probably would have been like a two-and-done, but he got he had a bunch of injuries at the beginning yeah. of his career. So as long as those injuries kind of pan out and don't 
as long as it's not, it, I don't think it's anything that's recurring or anything that's a long-term scare. Um, I think he'll be a really good NBA player. I think, but like everything else, it depends where he goes. What's so interesting about this draft is I'm sure you guys read mocks like everybody else is that there is such a, like a, a ceiling and a floor for everybody where it's like, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like sometimes you, you read mock draft generally. It's like, Oh, that guy could go anywhere in like the three to five range or yeah. the 10 mm-hmm. to 12 range. No, it's and, crazy. And you literally have guys this year. That's like, they could be the third pick in the draft. They could be the 12th pick in the draft. Yeah. Like it's just, it's the weirdest draft ever doing a mock has been damn near impossible. After, <laughs> after two, it's like every single mock track is completely different. Yeah, it is because and ha, the, granted, part of it is the Celtics being there because one, they probably want to trade the pick, but even if they don't, they could go in a number of different directions. They could go for a guard and and you know move one of the guys they already have. They could go for a big this and that. It's just such a weird draft. And then then from a college perspective, the weird thing is you have a guy like Marquise Chris who could go three or four overall, who wasn't even close to the best player on his own college team, and Dejounte Murray who played with him wasn't even close. They had a kid named. You'll love this. Do you know who do you know who the leading scorer was on University of Washington this year? No idea. You're gonna like this. His name was Andrew Andrews. Ooh. <laughs> he averaged like twenty one a game. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if I I don't know if that's a good name or a bad name. <laughs> it's it's an unfortunate name. I wow. like Marquise Chris though. I like that. That's a good name. That's yeah. a good name. That's no. a good name. And and look, I mean, the way he plays is suited well for the NBA. Um, but it's just a weird year where. So why is he rising? Is he just is he is he blowing people away in these workouts? Yeah, he. I mean, look the the knock on the University of Washington through the years. And by the way, when we're doing this podcast next year, they're gonna have another guy who could be a top like three pick. His name's Mark Fultz, who's like a he's like a superstar. But the problem with them, their coaching staff is very good at evaluating talent. They're not so good at coaching it. Um, if you look, there are a surprising number of players. For, like, if, if I if I told you how many players you think from the University of Washington are in the NBA right now, you'd say, like, what? Like, three, two? Yeah. Okay, so through the years, just from this coaching staff that's still there, Brandon Roy, Nate Robinson, Spencer Hawes, uh, C.J. Wilcox, Quincy Pondexter. You go, There's, like, seven or eight guys, uh, Tony Rowan, seven or eight guys from that school in this league, and it's like so they, they they very clearly know what they're looking for, but they just can't put it together once they get mm. these kids to campus. I don't know how their coach still has a job, frankly. I think he's probably going to be out after this year if they don't make the tournament. But he recruits his ass off, man. Sorry for saying ass on your podcast, but I assume it's, it's okay. Good. It's um, I can't figure it out though. But so Chris should be good in theory. Like he has the skill set to really thrive in the NBA. The way things are going. Um, but it's that school is just weird, and and those players always underperform there, and then get to the NBA and are pretty productive. So, last question for me, John. I don't know. What, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what else you have. <clears throat> what 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 fascinates me about just the draft in general is what a crapshoot it is, and I'm not sure why we aren't better at it. Um, Amazing. And like when I see guys who kind of outperform their position a lot of times and this is like whatever my hobby horse on this podcast it's like it comes down to their character like they're just there's a Agreed. certain and if you read i don't know if you read the jonathan abrams book um about i the, did i have a i have a fundamental disagreement with it but <laughs> I, I do but if you look at the book and you look at okay well why did this guy make it and why did he, this guy not make it it almost always comes down to work ethic and so it's like, why can't we measure that? Why don't we know about these guys? Why don't we have a better way of gauging these kids' character and their work ethic? So some of it, I've, I've had, so, and you guys are going to laugh when I say this, but so like, I, as I said, I went to UConn and I was there, I was leaving as Hashim Thabit was coming in, right? And so people forget this, but Hashim Thabit went number two, went number two. He was a very good college player. But the thing that people don't remember about Hashim Thabit is one, it's where he started. And so my theory on him, why he failed, it's not so much that he was awful, it's that he was born in Tanzania and at 8, 10, 12 years old, whatever, and I'm not being facetious, he was literally walking through the desert with no shoes on. So he comes to America, gets his college degree, and goes to the NBA. And so for somebody like that, I've always believed that getting to the NBA was the end game. He got Mm. his college degree, this was it. 
Whereas for other people, you know, for the great players, like you said, Jonathan Abrams book's a great example, Kobe Bryant, getting to the NBA was the beginning. It wasn't the end. Now, why can't we measure that better? I don't know. But one, you just, I, I think part of it is you just never know how people are going to handle money, handle fame. I mean, look at Dean. I think part part of it is I don't know. I think sometimes you're blinded by talent because I heard this like the the complaints about D'Angelo Russell this year that he was too immature. Kind of what we were saying about J.R. Smith that, that not a bad kid, but like everyone that I talked to at this time last year was like that kid probably shouldn't be coming to the NBA. Not because he's not physically ready, because he's not mentally ready. And so I think now at this point. There's such an emphasis on on development or on skill over development, and I think I think it's just more of a crapshoot because there's so many more young guys coming. Whereas, like, dude, I, I'm telling you, I like the last three or four days, I interviewed a bunch of these kids, and like talking to Chris Dunn, a fourth year, he was technically a redshirt junior, but fourth year college player versus Brandon Ingram, who was great. But there's just a level of maturity to Chris Dunn where I don't, th- you know, he's overcome two so- shoulder surgeries, this, that, the other thing. I don't think he's going to be phased by anything in the NBA. Where Brandon Ingram, maybe he's never experienced failure before. You know, maybe, um, you know, he's never had money before. And now he, I, I don't know. But I, that's that's a long-winded way of me saying I don't know. You'd think they'd be better, but it's just there's just so many variables, and I just think uh, I think of- I think I think the I think the key point is. There are these variables that that are so large that we just don't know, and yes, those those yeah. are those are money, and those are how someone develops between eighteen and twenty two, and a lot of yes. things can change between in those four years. So two quick things: one, and this clip is in the Fox Sports database. I can even send you the link to, yeah, to link. We'll post it. But John Calipari was on with Colin Cowherd in December when Kentucky played at UCLA, and one thing that he said, which I thought was really interesting, was Cal, uh, Cowherd asked him the same question we're talking about now. What what do you tell NBA teams about your guys? And Cal Perry did like one of his great Calipari rants where like he just got on his high horse, but he was right about it. He said, I tell these teams, do not draft my kids at 19 years old and expect them to be 22. Do not do it. Because if you do it, you'll be disappointed and it's just not going to work out. And so to that point, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier with Jaleel Okafor. I think part of it, too, that we cannot underestimate is that NBA teams are like any other business in the world. There are good ones and bad ones, well, well-run well organizations and not well-run organizations, good coaches and bad coaches, GMs that care and GM, you know, and it's like, like I look at somebody like DeMarcus Cousins, I'm still convinced that if he had gone to a different team, I mean, he's putting up incredible numbers, but you know, kind of mentally, he's just not there because he wasn't surrounded by the right people. And you hear stories. We all hear stories. I mean, it's not even like any like insidery thing. You just <laughs> no. hear these stories from about Sacramento and you're like, that would never happen in San Antonio or Oklahoma city or, you know, even or Miami. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, and I think that's an underappreciate. like it amazes me more and more as I work in sports, how you think that it's sports. These guys, you know, every general manager makes 2 million. Every coach makes 2 million. They must be good at their job. And it's like, no, a lot of them suck at their jobs just like everybody else does. And so like, I, I think that, that, it's not always necessarily on the kids. I think a lot of times it is, but some of the times it's just on the the organization too. But it's such a great question that that would be. I know Jonathan Abrams wrote a book about like the preps to pros phenomenon, but I think that subset right there because you look at it like in the NFL, it's so much about injuries and and things that are kind of out of the player's control. Whereas in the NBA, like you said, some guys just work and some guys don't. And the incredible thing is, oh by the way, it seems like. All the, it's probably not incredible. All the same organizations always have the guy, you know, unless no, it's, it's, like, it's like every year San Antonio has some random dude from Europe 100%. or some second rounder that all of a sudden is a contributor. And we go, oh, they're so fantastic at finding talent. Yes. Well, maybe they're fantastic at developing the talent. Yes. Maybe that's what's happening. Is but, that, but to your point, maybe they're taking guys with a certain skill set that we yeah. don't know or a certain mentality that we don't know. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there are guys who are good at drafting. Like I said, it's yes. most of the crapshoot, but. Dude, Jerry West, that guy knows Sorry. what he's been doing for 30 years. Like, I don't think he's missed on a draft pick ever. And yeah. he, he basically drafted that entire Golden State team. Yeah. Like, all those all those players that just started in the finals, and you know, they lost, unfortunately. Uh, but, like, he was there when they drafted all those guys. Clay, Festus, uh, yeah. Draymond, uh, 
help me out. Uh, Steph. Uh, no, he wasn't there in the draft. Oh, Steph. No, he wasn't there. Um, but uh, you know, like uh, there's uh, any other recent draft pick. Oh, Harrison Barnes. Barnes. Yeah, yeah he who loves, I guess he who I guess who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? Who didn't have a great finals? Well, but. you know who was the other one that I think, and I was wrong on this guy, but Sam Presti. So like, the, what what made me realize it was first of all he nailed those three straight picks yep. with Durant, but Westbrook. He also nailed Adams, and that's what I was gonna yeah. say. Is like. I watched Steven Adams at Pitt, and I never saw anything resembling who that guy nope. is right now. And if you remember, that was one of the picks they got as part of the, the yep. James Harden trade. And we're like, oh, look at what they got for James Harden. And all, you know, James Harden's averaging 30 points a game at that time. We're like, oh, they got some tall guy from New Zealand who's <laughs> fucking stiff. Excuse me, I shouldn't. That one I was probably not inappropriate. Right. But, um, right. but, you know, he's like a stiff. And three years later, he is, I think, probably the best center in the NBA right now. And the center is a dying position, whatever. Whoa, Maybe he's whoa, not the whoa. best. Bismack Biombo still plays in the league. Yeah, <laughs> no, listen, I, I went to UConn, so I don't, I don't want to crap on Andre yeah. Drummond like that. But, um, but no, you know, but that, like that's yeah. a perfect example of like I would have like I, I feel like I'm pretty good at, at just kind of seeing raw talent, and I completely missed on that. One more point on that, by the way, the European guys boggle my mind we were talking about Dragon Bender like because I've been going through and looking at all these old drafts and like the draft you were talking about with like Rudy Gobert and all those guys there was like just Rudy Gobert and Giannis were both yeah but that year there was like seven or eight euros drafted and like three or four of them you never heard from again and three or four of them are really good NBA players and so that's the part where like I would love to talk to like a Fran Fraschella or somebody like what are you looking for with those European players because like sometimes it's the weirdest thing of like they're playing in like the Spanish Premier League and they're only averaging six points a game but then they come over here and they're like super productive two years later and then sometimes they're just total bust and that that one to me I was thinking about that one it's like such a subset of a subset but I'm so fascinated like how, how these guys work like you said the Spurs always nail on those picks and but it's just like it's just like you look through those drafts and there's some guys that just totally hit and some guys that totally miss yeah I like I feel with like I'm, the joke I keep making is Denzel Valentine feels like such a Spurs player Oh, 100%. Like, like, he keeps dropping. Like, he started the year early in the teens, and now some mocks have him later and later. And it's just like, you know the Spurs are going to come and grab him. And people are going to be like, yeah, why didn't anyone take him? You know? Right. because Oh, you mean the guy who can shoot and pass and is the smartest player on the court at all times? And it's like, yeah, the Spurs took him. We all just sat around waiting for the Spurs to take him. Well, it's funny you say that. I made this joke on Twitter. Not a joke, but, like, I made a comment on Twitter um, when Tyler Eulis was really coming on strong in Kentucky, and he was really good this year, um, I was like, come on, we all know what's going to happen. He's going to end up a spur. Because this was like <laughs> when it was like he wasn't even going to declare for the draft because he's so small. I was like, well, he's going to end up a spur. He's going to win four titles before it's all said and done, and we're going to wonder how it happened. And now with his hip injury, he might actually fall to the spurs, and there's all these reports out and and you know that, that they're really kind of evaluating him. And I could totally see that one happening of like five, nine-point guard. Half the NBA won't draft him because of his size. The other half is afraid because of his hip. And there he is on the spurs, like, you know, playing crunch time next year when Tony Parker, you know, gets in foul trouble or something and he goes for 18 and six assists or something. And so there's guys like that, but it is a, it is, a, I love the, as I was telling you guys off air, it's, I love it's, this stuff. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, maybe briefly you want to talk about uh, your book? Sure. So what, yeah. what, can you describe it maybe? Or just yeah. give us like the pitch? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it really started, it's incredible because uh, at the time I was a freelancer here at foxsports.com and I pitched our editors, uh, Barry Warner, who John knows really well. Uh, on the idea of this was before the 2014-2015 Kentucky season. So when they had Carl Towns, Devin Booker, all those guys, they were going to be really good. I don't think anybody knew they were going to be 38-0 to start the year. But like so I, I told Barry, I said, they're going to be really good. I said, it would be really cool. It was technically sort of the five-year anniversary of that first team that Calipari brought in. John Wall, Marcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, et cetera. So I said, I want to do a story on that team. And he said, yeah, go for it. Barry's a great editor. And um, so I did this story, and I got everybody except for DeMarcus Cousins, and we can talk off air why that didn't happen, but that's neither here nor there. He's DeMarcus is a good guy. But um, but so anyway, so I got John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, all that. And so I had all these great interviews, all this stuff, and everyone was telling me, dude, like, well, not everyone, like Kentucky fans were like, you should do a book. That'd be awesome. I would buy it. And so you hear that enough, enough, enough. And I was like, screw it. I'm jumping two feet in. So the book is really about that first season at Kentucky. A lot of people ask, well, they didn't win a national championship. Why would you do it? Uh, you know, I really believe that that team really changed college basketball and in a lot of ways changed the NBA too, because before that, the one and done was kind of seen as 
the this bad kid that was only out to to mm. to to this you know screw the school over and they weren't going to class and whether it was true or not previously the guys at Kentucky kind of changed that because John Wall had a 3637 GPA whatever it was uh DeMarcus while he was there was really good in the community Eric Bledsoe was really good in the community and those guys really set the foundation for what Kentucky's done since which is a big theme of the book um even though they didn't win the national championship and Cal Perry even told me he said what we're doing now and you know I interviewed him two years ago now but what we're doing now wouldn't be possible without those guys so um so they started it and now it's such, just such a cultural phenomenon where duke won a national championship two years ago with three one and done guys Jaleel Okafor, we've talked a lot about uh justice winslow and tyus jones and it's kind of taken on a life of its own it's also why i kind of disagree with the concept of jonathan abram's book is because i kind of wrote almost the same book from the opposite perspective um but so that's the gist of the book and it's that first calipari season he comes in they change overnight and really just just how he changed the program, how the guys bought in. It wouldn't happen without the players. It wouldn't happen with the veterans like Patrick Patterson, who plays for the Raptors now, guys like that buying into Cal Perry. It's just an interesting team, an interesting group of guys, a larger-than-life group of guys with DeMarcus and, and John Wall and all those guys. And it was a fun book, and it's been selling really well. It's called One and Fun, a behind-the-scenes look at John Calipari and the 2010 Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, it is available on Amazon, and also the website is KentuckyBasketballBook.com. And, and those guys really formed a bond, too, because you see whenever – you know, the, the the Kentucky gets discussed. Those guys are always saying, like, you know, our our Kentucky team was the best. We could have beat any of these these players. They call themselves the Three Amigos uh, when they were on campus. <laughs> There's a great picture of them all on a jet ski. Thing, I think too. Somewhere. Is it really? <laughs> they when they were on campus. From everything I've been told, they the three of them were absolutely inseparable. And um, like that's why they're all on the jet ski. Yeah, literally <laughs> inseparable. Um, but no, they. Um, they they were just such a, a fascinating team. What was your second comment? I had a follow up and I kind of just completely forgot. No, it. I just said they were all they were all they even though they were only there for one year, it seemed like they formed a bond. Yes, and then also they they claimed that they could beat any Kentucky. Oh team. yes, and so that was what I was going to say. So when I one of the assistant coaches, Scott Padgett, who played in the NBA, told me that he said for sure no doubt because well this was before the 2014 2015 season so I think that's going to go down as the best Kentucky team ever because that's that's with Cat on it and. Yeah, and Devin Booker, and, Devin Booker yeah. and Tyler Uless, and Willie Cauley-Stein, and Trey Lyles, and the Harrison Twins, and Alex Poitras, which is probably going to be a second-round pick this year. I mean, they had 10 NBA players on yeah, that team. that's a stacked team. And, and again, that's why Calipari is incredible, then he doesn't get enough credit for it, is to get all those guys to buy in and play. Devin Booker never even started, and I mean, that was a guy who averaged like 14 points a game this year as a rookie. So, um, so yeah, so anyways, um, the coaches all say... That team would have beat in 2012. 2012 is the one that won the national championship. But really, outside of Anthony Davis, none of those guys have had high-level NBA success. And if you kind of match them up, it's like, you know, I don't know who on that 2012 Kentucky team with Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and all them could have guarded both Wall and Bledsoe. And I think Cousins would have been a load down low. So it really is incredible to go back in hindsight and realize that that team didn't win a national championship based on what, what they've done since. Duke won that year with like Kyle Singler and Nolan Smith, who's already out of basketball. Kyle Singler, <laughs> Kyle Singler. the male Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I, I, it boggles my mind that that guy's in the NBA, and also no, he's, he walks, he's, he's barely he's hanging by a thread. But he might that, he might be the worst player in the league. But is he, I think he might he certainly has the worst haircut in the league. Yeah. Um, but like for real, like it is kind of borderline incredible that uh, that Kentucky team had four NBA players. Three all-star caliber players. I include Bledsoe because he was like having an all-star caliber. I mean, season. if you just think if you had a if you had an NBA team that was Bledsoe, Wall, and Cousins now, I oh, mean that's sure a number three team. seed probably. Yes. Yeah, I had uh, one of the uh, you know support staff people gave me a great nugget, and I've never bothered to look it up. He goes, "Has any college team ever had three future max contract guys at the same time?" And I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. And he said they've kind of crossed paths where one might be there one year and two might come the next year or one. But it's like to have three on that same team in the same class is pretty incredible. And Bledsoe did sign a max contract for, for people who are Rich wondering. Rich Paul, man. Rich Paul gets it done. Dude, Tristan <laughs> Thompson, man. Dude, yeah. I don't hey. understand. It, it Listen. First thing I would do if I got traded to the Cavs, I would fire my freaking Rich agent Paul. and hire Rich Paul. Yeah, yep, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, that's all I have. John, do you have anything else? No, no. The book is uh, one and fun at KentuckyBasketballBook.com that is, and also at Amazon. Yes, and it's available on Kindle for half the price if you're a Kindle uh, 
subscriber viewer whatever but yeah no book sales have been great and thank you guys for having me man yeah yeah thanks for coming on yeah! all right john so it's just us aaron has left yeah shout got, out to aaron he got fed he got fed up with our lack of knowledge <laughs> he was like this guy didn't even watch youtube of dragon bender <laughs> look let me tell you something i don't need to watch these guys till they get to the nba all right yeah based on name alone yeah that's uh, how i scout but make sure you follow so it's at aaron underscore torres on twitter that's at a-a-r-o-n underscore T-O-R-R-E-S. And you can see him at foxsports.com. And make sure to get his book at kentuckybasketballbook.com. Really happy having him. It's nice hearing from, like, an expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I, I, yeah. just don't, I just don't understand people who like college basketball. I'm oh, sorry. that's true. Actually, that's we should true. ask them about that. Why do you like college yeah, basketball? Yeah, yeah, why do you, why do you waste but so much time I think the answer is... <laughs> I think it's what you grow up with. So he grew up in Connecticut. So you grow up with, you know, watching the college game. Yep. You, your dad likes it. So you like yeah. it. Yeah. Right. That's my thing. No, no one in my family ever went to college. So I have no, I have nothing. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. It's legit. I had no one to root for. I yeah, was just yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, yeah. uh, boy, is, is there, did the uh, Vietnam draft have a basketball team? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Your dad was drafted, huh? Yeah, he was drafted. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Shout out some beefs. Shout out some beefs. Let's do it. Shout out to the king, LeBron James. Oh, John, the best. did you see what he was wearing today? Oh, did you did see I? the outfit? Did I? Shout out to that. Gotta respect the all meme outfit. He's got the hat. Did you see what was on the hat? Ah, oh, the hat Zip was the yeah the Kermit. He has. If you haven't seen this, I'm sure you've seen it if you're listening to this podcast. He's got a hat with Kermit sipping tea. And then he's got a T-shirt that's uh, Ultimate Warrior T-shirt. So fantastic! I love so I love the level of trolling going on. LeBron, king of basketball, king of trolling. So good. I was the one thing I will say is he re- the icing on the cake could have been if he was wearing them uh, them ugly ass Curry shoes. Oh, he should. Oh yes! <laughs> How awesome would that be if he was but wearing yeah. the Curry if shoes? If they all came out wearing yeah. the that would be the. Ultimate, yeah. ultimate oh my troll move. If they all came out of the plane rocking the curries. Well, yeah, they, Maybe for the parade. Save it for the parade. Save it for the parade. Yeah. LeBron, but, if you're listening to this, for the parade, rock yeah. them curries, baby. Yeah, do it for the land. Do it for the land. Uh, um, but also, he probably can't wear Under Armour. I thought sh- I realized yeah, he that probably, yes. He probably can. He probably can. Shout out to J.R. Smith. We already talked about it, uh, his post, post-game celebration. But for me... What Sunday was all about was things living up to the hype. Yes. We had a Game 7 in the NBA Finals. We all wanted it to be epic. It was epic. It was a close game throughout. That was fantastic. Game of Thrones, we all thought that episode was going to be amazing. It was amazing. We all wanted J.R. Smith to win the championship to see how his postgame would be. And it totally lived up to the hype. <laughs> Shirtless, dumping champagne on people in the club. Just, I mean, we didn't, I didn't expect the emotional part where he talks about his father. But yeah, J.R. Smith, you lived up to the hype. I hope you go shirtless all off season. It's just, he is, I hope he gains like 30 pounds too from oh partying. And he's still going shirtless. It's uh, the best. Yeah, yeah, shout out shout out to JR as I mentioned. Uh, we need earlier. dude, what is the NBA? Where like we need a JR Smith reality show for this offseason. We need cameras following him around. Absolutely. Constantly. Absolutely. Uh, also shout out to LeBron's kids for being uh, way more polite than the Curry kids, if I say so myself. LeBron brought him up well. He you know? brought him up well. Shout out Savannah. <laughs> Savannah. Uh, Savannah getting a, lot of, getting a lot of love last a lot, week. Yeah, getting a lot of love. Uh, very well-disciplined kids. Loved how he came out with the cigar and the net around his neck and just uh, and his three beautiful kids and just shut it down. Yeah, I think LeBron is just going to not... He gives zero fucks now. He gives he's, zero. And he's, it's great. Exactly. I think he's going to be fantastic for the next... Because he's always been a very political person. Like, he's very guarded in what he says mm-hmm. in interviews. And I think, yeah, I think he's going to be more open. It's going to be it's gonna be a great uh, end of his career. Yeah. I do have one beef with LeBron, though. He, uh, he kind of recycled his speech. Did he? He had a post-game thing about uh, the whole Cleveland. Like he was like the fumble on this and this and this. Then I then I see him on ESPN. Said the same exact thing. Mm. Little rehearsed, little mm. rehearsed. I get it. I get it. You have to deal with that, but you know, whatever. Shout out 
to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. You know, not you know for winning the title, which of course I always believed in them, John. I never doubted you them never for a doubted. second. Never. There is no audio evidence of me nope. ever doubting them. But what I want to shout them out for is they went to that club in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> they get into the club, all right? Have you watched this video? Have you seen the video of them going into the club? Uh, I have not. Have you watched? You haven't watched all the club videos? Not like all I have. of them. I've seen some okay. of them. Okay. I didn't watch the entrance. If you notice. Okay. They're always playing hip-hop. Mm-hmm. It's always hip-hop. And I know this is an old guy take. None of that EDM garbage, okay? It's just all hip-hop. So shout out to the Cavs for making the, making the club play hip-hop and not EDM. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. I'm not a fan of EDM, John. No, no. Are you, you like it? You know, the... the <laughs> here's my thing. We are going to... We are going to... We are going to look back. You kids you kids who are listening to your EDMs, <laughs> you're going to look back and be embarrassed by it, okay? Because when we look back at history and think of good music like when we look back and we say oh that was that was a good era that was good music it's rock and roll it's jazz it's hip-hop john what do these things have in common they're made by african americans all right that's true edm is made by like skinny swedish nerds okay <laughs> it's not this is not where good music comes from no, okay no so uh, and it's all made by Ableton Live and just like it's it's made by a computer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. There's it's, no soul. There's no heart. There's no. Yeah, there's no exactly. There's no soul. To exactly. It. So I'm I'm shouting out the Cavs for staying true, playing hip hop, and I'm beefing with everyone who likes EDM. Yeah. Shout out to uh, all the. Uh, also, I'm gonna shout out uh, Dan Carson, at the Doctor Carson, also a Fox Sports writer, uh, and Bonafide Jr. Smith uh, appreciado. Uh, so he had a great night because uh, he got everything he wanted. I mean, shout out to all the guys. What do you who, mean? This guy is just a fan of Jr. He's just a Jr. I mean, he's stand. a writer, but he, but he, I mean, his profile pick is Jr. Just yeah, yeah, Jr. Yeah. Yep, he's a senior writer at Fox Sports, and I, uh, he just, you know, you know, I was writing for the Warriors, but I'm actually legitimately happy that the Cavs won. I just think it's such a fun story, and it's so unbelievable that LeBron was able to do that. So it's insane. It's really the most insane. They were down three like, one, man. It was it's crazy. No, no one thought they were gonna win. They were Not down three one. It's yeah. it's wild. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Ben Golliver, uh, writer ah, at Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Listen to his podcast today, and he coined a fantastic term. Are you ready for it, John? I want to hear it. Three match. Oh, he wants you know like three Pete. Yeah, he wants a three match next next finals. Wow. Uh, LeBron and the Cavs versus Golden State again. Yeah, they, they played three times in a row. So, I thought I was like, "How does no one ever thought of that before?" It's great. I think it'll be great. Yeah, it's yeah. the uh, the trilogy. He's really good, by the way, Ben Gulliver. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorites, uh, both in print and I think him on his podcast personality is also fantastic. Nice. Also, shout out the universe for not rewarding uh, the Dick Punchers Dude. of the year. Just wait to wait to like you know, it's like. If you're going to go around and punch other dudes in the dicks, like, let's not let that reward you with the trophy. Thank you for the universe for shutting that down. I appreciate I, you. Shout out the universe. I, uh, yeah, I watched the game with my 12-year-old nephew, uh, Davian. Uh, shout out to Davian. That's how you say his name because his, uh, his dad's from Trinidad. Anyways, that's all he knew about Draymond Green. The whole game, every time Draymond got the ball, he'd be like, Close your crotch. Close your. <laughs> he thought it was hilarious, and I was like, "Yo, bro, man, you need to." First, maybe it was funny the first time, but after the tenth time, you saying "close your crotch," but I mean, this is what kids know. I mean, I I, know. I have a sample size of one in terms of what twelve-year-olds know, but it seems like this is all <laughs> they know about Draymond Green is that he's a crotch kicker. Yeah. So you know, yeah, he's, he's got to clean that up next season, I guess. Yeah. But I agree with you. The Warriors very much were, you know, we talk a lot about karma. You know, they did a lot of things that were angering the karma gods yeah. uh, by making fun of LeBron. I mean, Clay saying what he says, Mo tweet, or Mo Spates tweeting that baby bottle. Can't do that. And of course, you know, it all goes back to Lakeup. I'm really, I'm actually kind of happy he didn't win again because that guy seems like a real tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's a real tool because he says he's one of the best black, blackjack players, and it's like, bro. What? A computer is the best blackjack player, okay? <laughs> it's it's solved, all right? <laughs> it's like tic-tac-toe. It's solved. There's yeah. no, you can't be better or worse. You can't be worse. better than that. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Um, so we didn't do uh, we didn't do a get-at-me-dog this week. 
Uh, we're gonna save that for the next one. We yeah, didn't have it time. turns out it turns out Aaron Torres can talk. Yeah, okay, he's great. Yeah, it's, so it tur- so we gotta do. We're gonna we're gonna get at Joel and B next time, and we got lots of takes. We got Take, take City. city take City population. Takes. Us is coming through, and yeah. thanks for everyone. We maybe maybe that. next episode just all be Take City. Oh, my I guess God. we'll have the draft to talk. We'll about. have the draft to talk about. Um, but last but not least. Uh, since this is the uh, the 2015-2016 uh, season finale of our podcast, right? Because right? tomorrow is the is the start of the next season, sure, sure. 2016. Uh, really, just want to shout out uh, everyone who who has listened, who has tweeted, who has followed, who has helped us. Um, it's been really great. I don't know, Matt. What do you think? I've I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to beef with everyone who's listened to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. What, are you, the, yeah. what are you doing with your life? Yeah, what are you doing with your life? Get out there. Yeah. Get out Dude, there. This thing's over an hour. You wasted it over yeah. an hour of your life here? Travel, man. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, yes. No, thanks a lot. Uh, also, John, I should mention. What should you mention? Uh, Spur Special Forces dropping this week. What? Episode four. What? It's dropping sometime this week. Oh, my gosh. You hear yeah, that? Look, at, you hear look that? for it. Look I, for it. It's great. It's Con- great. a very controversial episode, I think. Oh I think people might I think I think it might get pulled. I think, people, <laughs> I, think I think the Spurs or, or SeaWorld might pull it. Uh-oh. <laughs> dropping yeah. little hints. Yeah. Dropping yeah. little hints. Yeah. Um yeah, so just to let you guys know how much like whenever you leave a comment or an iTunes review or anything like that, it means a lot. You know, we, we had a great year. We we it's so much fun and uh, we, pr- we absolutely appreciate it. Every time we get something, we screen grab it and send it to the other person. Um, and all the people who've come on, you know, especially Aaron today, but also, you know, Futernick has always helped out and our, our loyal fans that have I, I, it, it amazes me that people actually every, listen. Every time you tweet at us or, or like it on iTunes or review us on iTunes, uh, my wife gains a little bit more respect for me. Yes, that's is, true. Which is important. That's true. And, uh, yep, and some girl gets the JR pipe. <laughs> every, every, time. Time, every, every time you tweet at us, JR gets laid. <laughs> yeah, JR gets laid. All right, and on that note. All right, until next week, keep hooping. Keep hooping. Have you ever been to a volcano? When it was erupting, you're now listening to Super Hooper. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game. Super Hooper! Super Hooper! That's what you say, bro. We just form a fucking war! Super Hooper! I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Super Hooper! That's terrible.